Welcome to Interruptions Podcast, where we have heartfelt discussions about our culture and faith traditions and our community. We invite guests who are open and willing to share their journey and disrupt the silence on their personal and professional interruptions that have impacted their lives. Kathy and I are passionate about every episode and committed to providing actionable advice that you can apply today to reinvent yourself on your life's journey. This is our second podcast in our celebration of Black History Month, and I am one of your co-hosts. I am Reverend Odell Montgomery Cooper. And I'm Kathy Patton, and thank you for joining us. And welcome, Black History Month again. Well, you know what? Before you even say that, I just want to congratulate you on the presentation that you did last evening. Can you tell me about the group that you did that for? You did a wonderful job, wonderful job. Oh, thank you. It was with Connect, uh, Congregations Organized for for a New Connecticut, which I have been a member of um, for about at least 20 years or more. So we have two sub teams uh, on gun violence and mental health, and they wanted to sponsor a conversations with Odell, Reverend Odell and interruptions to talk about our faith, our culture and gun violence and what we need to do as you were there, you saw what we can do differently as people of color and being in our faith journey to help individuals that look like us and to be different about trauma, grief, and mental health. So yeah, I, was I know they had a guest. breakout. I know they had a breakout room. I had to leave at that time. I'm sorry, but I I know that you had a lot of questions coming in for you. So I know you felt. Did you feel overwhelmed? Because there were a lot of questions coming in at you. I did not. My uh, the one that was navigating Liz Keenan, Dr. Liz Keenan, and I. You know, we worked well together, so we knew what was going on. So she was channeling all the questions to me, and I had a chance to breathe in between. Uh, so it was well well rehearsed, but it, I heard it was <laughs> the feedback was very good. It was. Um, it so was. it was it about was. talking about interruptions. And the message that I'm trying to share is that of people of color, we have to do more than just tell people to pray more for traumatic events and knowing the right things to say. And just because we are told we're strong, we're educated, we're professionals, doesn't stop us from asking for help. And, and especially the church doing more than just telling us to pray more. That's right. That's so, right. Well, I thank know you. talk about t- throwing you off guard. I know I threw you off guard with that. But you, you always do that. I... <laughs> well, I wanted to recognize that. I know it wasn't a black history thank moment, you. but it was a special moment for you. So I wanted to make sure I recognized that. And so, yes, we are in Black History Month. We are one month in from our new elected, yes. having our new elected president, President Joe Biden, and of course, our vice president, uh, Pre- Vice President Kamala Harris. So, so still very excited. You're still excited, Odell? I, I am. And, you know, excited about our guests because falls right in line with all these wonderful PBS specials that have been going on this month that I've been staying up late watching. So we have to always say this is our 18th podcast. And our special guest is today is uh, Dory Dumas, who is the president of the local chapter, the New Haven chapter for the NAACP. 
And so her being some of the first, and we've been talking about the first for this elections. And it's just, again, an exciting journey, especially being that Vice President Harris is a AKA, and I'm surrounded <laughs> by women of the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, you know, always have to give acknowledgement and, and kudos, and you've got to just feel good about where we are. That's right. Yes. So before we even start talking, because, you know, you and I can get started and I want to make sure that we bring Dory into the room and invite Dory into our conversation. Good evening, ladies. Thank you for having me. And I'm doing well. It's it's always a pleasure to see you again virtually. It's been a virtual yes, world. Absolutely. And thank you all for this space of interruptions. It's needed. Um, I have seen some of your um, podcasts and it's wonderful. So thank you for this space. Thank you. Thank you for watching us and sharing. We're and as um as Kathy's sorority sister, I really hope that you uh she expects you to spread the word. So Absolutely. she's trying to get an increase of subscription. But we're up Absolutely. to 120. So we're Yay. getting there. Okay. But Dory, before we start um, with honor, I need to, I received an email and I need to congratulate you on your founding. You all are celebrating the New Haven chapter is celebrating 112 years and 112 years. Look who's at the first. So congratulations. Thank and you for that. And thank you. Um, NAACP has been doing this work and the local chapter, state chapter, we continue to do um, the work of the NAACP, and we're proud to do so. Yes, it's um, it's well needed. It's like you, um, I'm not sure if you mentioned earlier or previous conversation. It's sad that we need it, but it's a great thing that we have it because of the history. So Absolutely. this month, I've been excited. As Kathy and I were planning this podcast, she was typing and I'm talking. And I said, oh, did you see the PBS special about Marian Anderson? Did you see it yesterday or the, on the day before? I absolutely did. She is an honorary member of Alpha, Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And she's from Connecticut. And she is another woman who's the first who broke the glass ceiling and had such a phenomenal legacy in history. Um, and actually one of the members who was speaking about her um, when she attended Yale, um, Dr. Um, Alicia Lola uh, Jones, he was speaking about her. She was here at Yale and in our chapter. So really? I had a lot of pride watching that. It was very exciting. I learned so much. It's so good to always learn more about your history that you didn't know. And what I was impressed with, I kept telling Kathy, at the time, the national president was Walter Francis White. And I Googled him today to make sure that I had information accurate, because I didn't want anybody getting on, you know, making comments that Reverend Odell doesn't know her history. She needs to join the chapter. She's giving misinformation. So I learned that Walter Francis White was the president for 26 years from yep. 1929 to 1955. And the piece that it just motivated me was when they wanted Marian Anderson to sing in the Capitol. 
but yeah. there was this coliseum and i'm sure i'm saying that piece wrong that was only the the only place large enough to hold her and it was run by the daughters i'm gonna make sure i got this correct the daughters of the american revolution they would not allow her to perform because their rules were white only and the president at the time uh, walter white was a fan of marion anderson but he said, and which, which we're going to talk about later, he said it wasn't within the mission of the NAACP to start the boycott or to start that fight. But he was the agitator behind it. And Kathy, what ended up happening was the DAR would not change their rules, whites only. And what happened was the NAACP arranged with the president at the time to have her sing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, the first kind of like outdoor concert. <laughs> and that's where she performed. And it was just marvelous. It was marvelous. It was beautiful. It was so moving. I think they said it was over 17,000 people showed up. And, you know, then they didn't have the kind of ways that we have to get the word out. And Howard University and some of the local churches yes. helped to spread the word. Um, and so that wasn't an easy task, but to see how many, it was a sea of people and to see her standing up there in front of the Lincoln Memorial just was beautiful and moving. And I'm glad that they found a way to move forward and not to accept um, that she could only sing in this place or only at that place and to do it outside where so many people could just come and enjoy the beauty of her voice. That's right. And they said they had never did, had, had never happened before, didn't know how to do it. So they were telling porters, railroad folks, maids, and those were the ones that were like texting. Those were our texters today. Right. Those were our social <laughs> media. Women porters and all of those that worked out there. Yeah, and that's how they got the word out. That's but how they made it happen. And it was absolutely beautiful. It was a sea of people and it was beautiful. It, it was. I'm glad you watched it because we can talk about it some more. And I was telling Kathy, you got to see the show. Yeah, yeah. So, again, we're proud and congratulations that, you know, I always have to give acknowledge to our first uh, vice president of color and who is a member, another member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. Did I say it slow enough for you, Kathy? No, that was Alpha Kappa <laughs> Alpha Sorority, you know, incorporated. and oh, incorporated. I apologize, yes, I you know. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I do apologize. <laughs> and I'm, um, but it's all a part of Divine Nine. And as yes. we were talking about, you know, Dory, you, you, you join so many firsts in our history, you know, Kamala Harris. President Obama, Senator Warnock, and and you. You will be going down in history. So how do you feel about that? You know, um, again, mixed emotions around it. I took on this position, and it's just sad that it took so long for a woman to, to rise to this position. Um, women have always been in the forefront. Women have always been the ones organizing, demanding change a lot of the work. So we've always been there throughout history. So it was nothing new to see a woman doing the work, take the lead, but to actually have the position. Now that was new. And um, I took on this role, but you know, being the first, I take it with honor. Um, and I do the, the work of the NWC from my heart and with honor and, and you know, trying to up, keep the mission of the NAACP moving forward. 
and trying to even the playing field and make sure that, you know, all the things that we want, all the advancements we want, the wins we want to see, that we do that work. I can't wait to delve into a little bit more about that. But I have to ask you, you've, I mean, you've been a member before you became president and you've been in Connecticut. Are you from Connecticut, New Haven? Born and raised right here in New Haven, Connecticut. Okay, Dory, so tell me what took 119 years? Why, you know, when I came to 112, I'm sorry. When I came, Jim Rollins was the president and that's, he was working at Yale and that I knew. And after Jim, I don't know who became president, um, but 112 years, first woman, what took so long? Right, so, you know, Again, I don't think that there were always women who could have easily stepped into the role and the position. Um, the NAACP is like a lot, a lot of universities, organizations. Um, there's still a lot of male chauvinists and there's still a lot of male dominance. And sometimes people don't always have open arms when it comes to a woman's leadership. I certainly faced some of that when I came into the role. Okay. People certainly treated me differently, did not receive my authority the same. And although they knew the work, because I was, I have been an active member of the NAACP for over 20 years. I had been the first vice president and people saw the work and knew that I was capable of it. So I don't think that was ever an issue that we had anyone that could not handle it. But I, there's just something about when a woman rises and how people receive it. Um, I have since, I think, really earned everyone's respect as a president, but okay. it took a little time, even for women, and how women treated me and how people received um, what was happening from a male's perspective versus a woman's perspective. And okay. I think that's across the board with things. I, I believe, I, I, I know that to be true. Um, and Kathy and I both know that to be true, working in the fields that, um, especially the role that she came from working, you know, professionally before she wonderfully retired. But Dory, you've, you've been in this role now as president for five years. Um, so how are you preparing for your predecessor? So I am constantly mentoring um, and really trying to, um, again, this is a lot of work. This is a volunteer organization, but the work we do is so very important and it's needed. So one, I try to find the people that I, you know, that we select on our board who understand our mission, who care about our community, who care about the issues and the mission of the NAACP. So once I have that, then I'm really trying to um, mentor and put other men and women. Um, right now we have majority women. So right now I'll say the young women on my board to really try to move them forward, to give them more responsibilities. Um, a lot of them, when I came on, I came on in 1999. So I have been a member of the NAACP for a very long time. So Roger Van, back um, Roger. in the 90s, he was um, the youngest in the country to ever be president of the branch and then the state president. He was in his 20s. And so he was very, um, he did a great job and his team did a great job with getting people to be members of the NAACP. And so they would come to our church. They would make sure we knew that they were doing the work. So because I saw them and they were young at that time and really um, I understood the, the passion and the mission, I was a member. 
but I became an active member in 1999. I was a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha, Dak and Jill, active in my church. And somehow (laughs) they got me to come. And once they they got me to come, they wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't, you know, they kept saying, giving me response, the same thing I'm trying to do. Um, But, you know, I think that I understood just how important the work is, just how okay. important that it is. So, so that was easy for me. I'm trying to get others to see that, you know, if we want to keep opening up doors, if we want to keep seeing advancements, somebody has to do the job, do the work. Okay. And so I'm, that's how I try. And I'm sure, and I didn't mean to say predecessors, I meant your successor, someone to take over and your grooming mm-hmm. to take over for you. Yeah. Um, so yes, we we know it's it's a lot of work. And I forgot Roger was the president as well. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. Yes. Yes. It was a while ago. You know, Odell, I, and it wasn't that long after Dory got into her position. I think that we, Dory, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we were at our, our Boulay conference in Atlanta. And we were walking around the vendor area, and they had an uh, area that was uh, cordoned off just to recognize special women, prominent women. And Dory's picture was hanging there, and she was so surprised. She had no idea that that picture was going to be there. And it was just such a proud moment because it was just her and I walking around. And I think that was one of our largest conferences, right? I think that we was had one of our 30,000. It blew me away. It touched me. I was shocked. Um, I didn't even realize that at the national level, they even knew who I was. Although I knew when I became um, the first president of the Greater New Haven branch that a couple of articles were done on me. And, you know, and I guess through Google, things just get out there. So I had no idea that our national, um, international um, office even knew that I was the first or, or would I mean, they did not um, ask, tell me or anything. It was so, I just happened to be there. I walked in and what a sense of pride. Um, it was beautiful. Kathy could tell you I was elated. Um, and, yeah. and and I really um, felt a, a strong sense of pride about it. So it was awesome. And then it was funny because other members were walking by and, oh, that's her. That's her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and know, I mean, we had to stop and start taking pictures. And, and they're saying, oh, it's it's did you know that's you? <laughs> so it was great. It was a wonderful moment. So, um, Dory, let me ask you, because, of course, I've known you longer, longer than Odell. Um, but we talk about often in our podcast that, uh, our, our journeys and how how our journey we can have one plan and then our journey changes and as and when we were growing up we always share how the plan was that you you go to school you go to college you meet your your husband you get married you have the 2.5 children the dog and the white picket fence and yeah. you live a perfect life right and and we know that sometimes that doesn't happen life changes so you went to Albertus Magnus College Yes. Now, what was your plans? Yep. What were your plans going through college? Like, what what was your idea? Did you have a plan at all when you came out of college? So I I knew that, um, you know, in order for the advancement I wanted in my career and, and I needed to have my degree. So it was in economics. I've always had, you know, the business side. But my heart was always in the community. So um, even while I was at Albertus, even while I was at 
um, Hill House High School, I was always a part of the community. Um, at my church, I was very active. I was the scholarship chair. I was always planning the um, Kwanzaa events and different things. So community service, um, uplifting our community, our culture has always been a part of the things that I love and my passion. So even at Albertus, I was always active. Um, and so becoming a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha with like-minded women who also wanted to help uplift the community just fit right into the things I already knew I wanted to do in my community. So it, it was already things I can see in the future, um, which is why I pursued it. And very fortunate to become a member. And from that point forward, have been working with community service and, and uplifting the community. Okay. How about life journeys? Has mm -hmm. there been any surprises that, <laughs> you know, for me, we talk about, um, where clearly you know about Odell's situation where she lost her son um, and not even, never, never thinking about that. And then when I got married, of course, we had exactly, we had our children exactly the way we wanted. I wanted a boy first and then a girl. But then my journey got altered because, of course, Teal has autism. And so we talk about the struggles of, of that journey in life. So has there been any uh, struggles or journey that might have altered than what you initially thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, we all have our dreams, right? I think I, I, think I was supposed to be the Queen of England, but that just has not worked out for me. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> or at least the first well, princess. So but... what people... <laughs> Yeah, so part of my journey is that um, I had my daughter when I was 19 years old. So I started out as a single mom, and um, I knew I wanted more for her and for myself. And so then, you know, I still, I stayed in school. I had to go part-time for, you know, when she was a baby, and then I went back to full-time. So I had some things where I had to adjust. I lost my grandmother who raised me, who was help, who I lived with at 19. And I had to figure out life, the next steps as an adult. And then, you know, at that time, my husband was in college. So we were trying to figure out how to, one, raise our daughter um, and then how to move forward. So I always had a strong faith. So I will say faith and courage were part of my journey um, and believing that every time I, I thought things were going to get too much. God just opened up the door and showed me the way. Um, and so early on, the journey was just trying to make sure I can get through school, you know, have a full-time job. The full-time job, I had a baby. And then I, we ended up getting married a few years later. And then together, we figured it out. We purchased our first home when we were, like, young and just decided what we wanted and the steps we wanted in our life. And God just you know, ordered our steps, things were able to move forward and we never missed a beat and um, we were able to move that way. You know, I'm, I'm glad it's, you know, I'm glad you shared that story with us um, for our listeners, because there are, you know, the, the, the perception of a teenage mother years ago was very different than a teenage mother now. And people think because you're a teenage mother that you can't pursue your dreams. 
that you're kind of stuck. Life is over. Mm -hmm. And I liked how you mentioned a full-time job. <laughs> you know, I wanted a full-time career. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not looking for a part-time, you know. I, I want a full-time. And it's achievable. And I enjoy listening and hearing you say it was hard work. You know, I'm sure, you, you know, things didn't go as smooth as you wanted, but you persevered. You, you kept going. And when people hear what we talk about interruptions, they're not always negative interruptions. It's you had a baby. That's not a bad thing. It maybe had been not the timing you wanted, but you had a child out of love and you yeah. had a partner in your life and you end up getting married, finishing college and keeping God in your life. And people team people today seem to think either I don't need God or I don't need a man, you know, and it's not saying that you need them, but you had a great partner in your life who ended up being your husband. So congratulations. And I know it wasn't easy. And but you you kept faith because that was that is very important. So a um, couple of questions for you. So you talked earlier. We talked about the Marian Anderson story and all the work that the NAACP had to do to get her to be outside on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Right. You know, and you mentioned that when Roger Van was the president, he was visible. You saw him, you knew him, everybody knew and, and saw him and that's how you got excited. Some people say, and this is no attack on you, no shade on you and your five years, but some people are saying, where's the NAACP? I don't see them. Where are so, they? So yeah. what, do you, what do you say to responses like that, Dory? So thanks to social media um, and to um, really the outlets we have now, I really think that people cannot say that because we invite people to like our pages, to find out what we're doing. We are in the newspapers. We are in the church, even through Zoom. So right now, because of COVID-19, we're not physically able to be in places, but work has not stopped. Um, the NAACP is a volunteer organization, but I put just as many hours a day into the work of the NAACP sometimes as I do for my full-time paying job. Um, so it's ongoing every day. We are very active in our community um, year-round. So it's not just around elections or when something happens. So the work that we do with the NAACP, thanks, you know, and I really want people to visit our website, to go to our pages. Um, I'm grateful when we get uh, the press, we get a lot of. Um, so the newspapers between the TV stations and newspapers and the radio, um, people get to hear about us and see us and see the work that we're doing um, at the national level because of COVID-19. People get to see our national president, Derek Johnson. He's on all of the major news outlets weekly talking about the work of the NAACP, talking about the efforts that we're doing, the work that we're doing, the legislation that we want. So, and at the state level, you'll see us, you know, even though we're not able to physically be at the Capitol, we're in these meetings. 
Okay. Um, so our voices are heard and we are out there. And a lot of times people are like, I don't really understand, you know, what the NAACP is doing until they need us. Then they call, like something goes wrong. We're one of the first people they call. Um, but it's we're needed just as much now as we were when we were founded because of all of the discrimination, racism, um, and things that are happening daily. We get complaints. So a lot of times we're behind the scenes and we're working okay. on legislation. So people don't always see that part of it, but we're, we're doing the work. Okay. So on, on that note, you say they call you when they need you. So a question for you. So I'm going to throw some, can I call you for this? Can I call you for that? All right. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> yes. So people, um, you know, it's like, well, what do we call you for? But you know, you, you know, there's always a misconception that if anything goes wrong, you all are supposed to show up. The NAACP is supposed to be there, but you're saying we are there. You don't see us, but we are there. So a question for you, which I did not reach out to you all. So I don't want anyone to say, why didn't I call you all when I was dealing with Slice? So even though you're the New Haven chapter and I did the call to action to shut down the, to stop the violence of the pizza bar that was in Hamden, could I have called the NAACP to say, partner with Connect because we want to move forward on this initiative to take their, to challenge their liquor license in court. Is that something I could have called Absolutely. the NAACP for? Absolutely. Um, and so we do get calls like that. Can you okay. partner with us? Um, I got a call today um, and can you part with um, people, officials from Hamden about really trying to get the word out and get more people, black and brown people to have access to the vaccine and what ways to can you partner with us to help us? So we get calls daily. Can you partner with us or this is an issue? Now, if a person has a complaint, that's different. So if you have a complaint, which we got, we got a complaint. So we get daily complaints and daily um, things. And it's not always for something bad. Sometimes it's to help advance or move things forward. But for instance, if someone has a complaint, we have a complaint form. We have a legal redress committee. We are not lawyers. But we will take, we do have a whole full legal redress committee that can look at various complaints. Um, and you do have to fill out the paperwork and give us the details to support your complaint because okay. you have to have information. But if people call us to say, this is happening, can you uh, collaborate with us? Can you partner with us? Can NAACP support this, that, or the other? You give us the details. We are happy to do that. And a lot of what we do through collaboration and partnership because we depend on each other and there's power in numbers, strength in numbers. So certainly the NAACP can and will show up to um, support various efforts in our community. And we do okay. all the time. Thank you. Because, um, uh, you know, people are you, always Jared, asking definitely. those questions. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, I, since I've known you, you've always been busy. I mean, you are everywhere and, and, and you send out, you know, invites to every, every, or I don't, I, I'm like, no, Dory, I can't. There's so much, <laughs> you know, so how do you, how do you, you talked about being a mom. Um, and so, and, and now your children are, are grown and you have a beautiful granddaughter. And so, um, I, 
but how how does that not interrupt your life how do you how do you balance all of that because at one at what point because you you talk a lot about being active in church but at what point did you sit and say i want to get involved in my community you're in high school and so or even younger and so at what point did you say i want to get involved in my community and what was the pivotal moment that made you say that and then as as a wife and as a mother how do you balance all of that so again, growing up, um, I've always been into the art, the culture. I was a dancer. I always cared about uplifting my community. And I really started thinking about, I don't know where that seed was actually planted, um, but maybe it was planted through the Black Panther Party. I, I just watched the movie and thought about that because I was in the inner city and they did. I was part of the youth that they fed and they taught positive affirmations. So that was, I was that girl, I was there, you know, so I witnessed that. And I remember um, the Black Expo in those days and talking about Black is beautiful and I am powerful. So I don't know if maybe that was the seed that was planted. I don't know if when in high school, I got so many opportunities to participate in phenomenal um, efforts that would come through our city and they would pick different students. And I would always volunteer. Um, and there are going to extra particular programs at Yale's Afro and House after school in high school. But somewhere something came and it was just a part of who I am. And it just was natural that I would get back to my community, that I would be a part of lifting my community, that I was blessed for others who did things in my community. And therefore I felt an obligation to do my part and uplift. So I don't, I don't ever remember a time where I did not feel some kind of obligation to do and give back and be a part of anything that was uplifting. Um, and so I just think it's who I am. And balance now, I don't, I will say, um, I wish, you know, when you look back, um, I'm not that great at balance. And anything I do, I go too hard and I don't have boundaries and so I get a thousand calls and emails and I'm trying to respond to everything. And I know I've even given advice to younger women and younger people, learn to say no, it's okay. You don't have to say yes to everything. <laughs> um, but I don't think I've taken my advice very well. And I'm you trying, not. you know, I'm trying <laughs> to get to a point. Um, I actually say the only time I ever really shut down is when I'm out of the country. Or if even I'm, I'm on vacation, if it's something important, I'm still on, I'm in a corner somewhere on a phone call doing stuff for the NAACP. Um, uh, there are times, you know, even when my children were younger, I got them involved with the NAACP, you know, so anything I did, you know, they were right there with me. So that's, that was a way that I kind of included my family and they had wonderful experiences. Um, but at some points, I don't know, it, it's like, I look back, I kind of wish that I had learned how to balance things just a little bit better. And even though my children are grown and my husband's very supportive, sometimes he's looking at me like, it's time, you know, it's time for you to start passing that torch, you know, because he sees that in the evenings I'm up answering calls and doing emails and planning programs. So, so I'm Gloria, not good at it. So when you go, when you go out, uh, we asked this question uh, last podcast to Gary Winfield, to Senator Gary Winfield, is there are times that we try to have balance in our life. 
where Kathy's not always an advocate for autism. And I'm sometimes I don't want to be Reverend Cooper. I just want to be Odell based on the setting. Or I don't want to be the mother. Oh, I, I recognize you. You're the mother that I don't want to say I'm the mother who lost her son who was murdered. And now I'm Debbie Downer for the party. Um, or the event that we're at. I don't always want to carry that torch or that label. So when you go out, uh, are you always the NAACP president, Dory, or can you just be Dory? So when I'm out, I'm, I feel like I'm always the president, but I do have like a, a group, a circle of friends, including Kathy and others <laughs> that are my reprieve and where we all kind of just get together and say, okay, we're not talking about kids, family, organizations. We're just going to enjoy ourselves. And that's within my small circle of friends. And I have, you know, a few families, but for the most part, when I go out and people see me, I can't get away from it because people see you and they want to grab your ear or talk about this or that, you know, so, um, you know, so that, that doesn't happen a lot. In, in, when I'm in Connecticut or in the New Haven area. Um, but I do try to make an effort time to time to just have a, a self-care day or okay. camper day, and that happens. Yeah, and you have to have that. You have to have that. Uh, I know um, Odell asked you about what what NAACP does. So as you know, in our sorority, the, uh, our international <laughs> office determined our programs and our outlook for the mm -hmm. time that that uh, office is in. Who determines the outlook or the plan for the local NAACPs? Is it is it everyone's working on the same initiatives, or do you determine local at local level? Who who makes that determination? So it's a combination. So we have the, the national president and the board of directors. They set and they have uh, directors. But we also, um, when we go to the national conventions, the delegates vote on resolutions that we bring back to our communities that we all agree as a body of things that we should address. And so that happens annually. And then there are also, we do, like what might be important for one community is not as important for another. So locally, we do have, you know, the authority to say, well, this is very important investing in our specific community. So we'll address issues that come up that arise right here in our community that may not be something that the national NAACP is looking for. We also have like the Washington Bureau. Um, so we do have people who are employed that go to, um, that are in Washington, D.C., looking at the legislation, looking at laws, um, they're grading the different states on, you know, the various issues, and they kind of give us a part on our state, you know, annually, so then we know how to address things. If, you know, so, so how we address things does come from our national office, but we also have authority at the state level and locally to address things that come up that we feel are important to our community. Okay. All right. Okay. Great. Great. Uh, quite another question for you. You there? Can you, can you hear yep. me? I so, can. one of the things, a question, a couple of questions for you. So, Kathy and I were, as we were planning our podcast, right? We were talking about. I was wondering if. Okay, so let's just do this in the church. Okay, mm -hmm. all of us go to church. <laughs> 
And there are people who go to church and will give offerings and show up every Sunday, but they're not a member of the church. And then when somebody dies, they want to be able to have the service at the church. And then they find out, well, you don't get the same privileges because you're not a member. You have to pay a, a certain price to have your loved one here. And then they get all uppity. They get all upset mm -hmm. because one, they're very emotional because of the passing of a loved one. But now they realize I've been here all this time, been doing this, but they're not a member. All right. So as our guy says, can I push it? <laughs> so what happens, Dory? What happens when someone says, I support the NAACP, I show up at your functions, but I'm not a member, but they knock on the door and they say, we want you to be able to handle this problem. Is there a difference in being a member and supportive? Do they get the same support, the same response? From the so unlike um, you know, our sororities and fraternities, um, the NAACP, you do not have to be a member to get our support. Okay. You do not get special privileges, but membership is the lifeblood of the NAACP. To become a member of the NAACP is only $30 annually. People go to lunch and spend $30. So be a member, We, you know, that's how we stay open. That's how we get the work done. So we encourage people to be a member. But if you are in need and you put in a complaint, it is not going to matter if you are a member or not. We are going to address it. You're going to get the same support. So, no, it's not like that with the NAACP, but <laughs> we encourage membership because that's okay. how, you know, we get the work done and that's how we get the doors open. Well, we, I, Odell and I were even talking about... So, you know, what I, are the benefits up. of being a member? Because I know you're... Um... You breaking up, Kathy? No. I'm okay. What's the benefits of being a member? So, well, first of all, to be, if you're a member, certainly, you know, when we have certain events or, you know, we, we certainly, if you're a life member, you get certain privileges, but uh, an annual member is a separate. So life membership, certainly, and life membership is very important. We encourage people to become life members. So there are privileges at that level and higher levels. Um, and we start, we'll make a big deal. But the whole point of the NAACP, and we, we talk about, we are a grassroots organization. Now, many of us, including you, Odell, you're a member of Delta Sigma Theta, we're a member of Alpha Theta. We know how much our dues, our responsibilities are. So when we tell people that we are merely asking for $30 per year to support the work of the NAACP, and that helps us to keep doing the work um, we we try to act, let people understand how important that is and try to let them know that, that that is how we do this grassroots work. That is how we, you know, bring about change and advancement. And so it benefits everyone and we need the support. So it's more because we really need the support to keep the doors open and do the work. But really, if anyone has an issue, we never turn our back on them if they're a member or not. That's right. Great, thank you. Okay. That's true. So Dory, again, needless to say you're active, right? I know often that you will meet with political figures or even presidents of colleges. What's the purpose of that? Why do you do that? You're breaking up a little. 
you, I know that you're very active. Um, and so often I know that you meet with political figures as well as um, college presidents. What is the purpose? Yep, you're breaking up. Okay, I'm not showing anything on my end. So Kevin. we meet quite often with um, university presidents, the local college presidents, and our uh, local officials. And most times we're talking about the agenda of the NAACP. We want to ask questions. I'll be, and I should say this, part of the work that we do is to ensure political, educational, social, health, and economic um, equality across the board. So we're always talking about those issues, whether we're talking to a hospital president, a university president, a company president, the mayor. Um, those are things that we keep in the forefront of the NAACP. So one, we want to have a good relationship with all of these people, but we also want to know that we're going to hold them accountable. We're going to ask the hard questions and we're going to be advocating. Um, and we want to look, so we'll look at the data to see if, so just to say you have diversity and inclusion, but you're not making any real change. It's just a department or a nice name. It's not sufficient. We're looking at, let's look at your board. Let's look at the people that are at the highest level. Let's look at like your, your hiring practices. So those are kinds of things that we talk to the, um, the presidents of college and universities and, and the local officials. And so we also try to be a partner and support the things that we think are working well. So it's not always like we're open, questioning like why this, why that. Sometimes we're coming with solutions. We're coming with mm -hmm. what we think will be helpful. Um, and so that goes on all the time. And a lot of it is to really continue to move forward with the mission of the NAACP. We need to have um, a even playing field. And, and until we get to that point, our job and our work is never done. And we're always looking for opportunities to, to even that plan. That's the work we do year round. I think we have to say that so often. It, you yes. can never say it enough, right? Now, you talk about the well-being of the Black community. What does that mean? When you say that, the well-being of the Black community, what does that exactly. mean? Exactly. What does that mean to you? So, so that means a lot of things. So let's just say this, COVID-19, because of, you know that we had um, this disproportionate amount of people, they say 25 to 50% in the black and brown community, and we were dying at the highest rates. Now, the reason why is because of the underlying conditions, the chronic health conditions. The thing that the people don't know is the NAACP has been talking about this. We have reports on this, we have data on why the, it just, it magnified it through COVID-19, but these issues are not new. So when we talk about health disparities, when we talk about health access, and we talk about education and education gaps, these are things that we have been talking about, pushing for, demanding better. Um, COVID-19 just, just it magnified the problem, put a bright light on it, but these are issues that the NAACP has been addressing for 112 years. This is nothing new, the work that we do and the efforts we want and, and, and the movement and advancements we want to see in our community. We are advocating for better health care, for better education, for better jobs, for housing, for better transportation. 
transportation is a big issue. Not everyone could afford a car and people have to work. They get a job. You have buses that stop running. And then how do the people get back to their families? So we advocate for better um, transportation. So when you look at the infrastructure of our cities or you look at the gaps, those are the things in the work of the NAACP that we are trying to close the gaps and talk to the officials and talk to the people who make the laws and hold them accountable. So we do a lot of work okay. to get people registered, but we also try to do the work of educating them around their voice and using their voice and their power of that vote to hold our local officials accountable as well. So, Dory, you talk about partnerships. Um, and yes, I know from the national level that there is a partnership with Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Yes. Um, and we are encouraged to be members. And we talk about it every year. And we have a representative who works with your local chapter who makes sure we have the information. So what's the importance of that? You know, so people are listening and they some some join, some do not. What's the importance of having that partnership and what other fraternities, sororities other than, you know, university presidents do you have a partnership with? So we actually have um, an MOU, so a partnership with the, the complete Divine Nine around voter registration, education, and mobilization. Okay. And I think all of the um, Divine Nine presidents understand just how important the vote and the power of the vote and education. So that's something that we have with all of the organizations. And that's okay. something also that um, we think is very important. And we saw how even though, and we were so proud and elated that she happened to be a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated with our first <laughs> vice president. Um, but we also know that it took the full Divine Nine support. It wasn't just Alpha Kappa Alpha. It, we needed everyone to understand how important it is. And so we, when you look online and you saw all the groups, it was the full Divine Nine getting people registered, encouraging people to vote. So that's important. That, there was a lot of power. And now we can see that, you know, 91% of the vote were Black women and people that really showed up and showed out. And so that partnership is extremely important. And we don't want that um, to die. We want to keep that energy for every election, not just the presidential election, but all politics are local. And so we need people showing up to the polls and we need to pull the Divine Nine partnership to help us get the work done and get people to the poll. So that's important. We also have great partnerships with various hospitals. Um, and we talk about these tough issues. We're talking about these disparities. Um, and so we have initiatives like at the state and local level um, around hiring more teachers of color and recruiting mm -hmm. them you know, from HBCU. So that's something we've had summits on that. We've had um, different college presidents come right here to New Haven. Okay. to talk about the importance and how to um, attract and recruit more people of color because quite often we get to think, well, we don't have enough uh, teachers of color who want to come to New Haven or that we can hire or the greater New Haven. I'm not going to just say New Haven. And so we work <laughs> on that as an initiative. Um, and then we work on, so the NAACP had a wonderful program for down payment assistance where we were giving at one time 15000 I went down to 10000 down payment assistance for people by their home. 
because we know that there's barriers. So people may have a good job, but they didn't have enough so that they can have the down payment to buy a house. So they live in it. They, we helped NAACP locally. I'm so proud. We were able to help hundreds of people with that down payment assistance program. We also had a program around economics where we were helping small businesses and helping them through the process of business loans. So when we talk about this work, it's, this is something that we do. Um, and we can only do that with partnerships. Okay. We don't have the money, but we partnered with a grant that provided that so that we could offer that to people. So, Dory, do you all, does the NAACP New Haven chapter still have that partnership of ha of helping young 31-year-old uh, mothers <laughs> who are moving out of their mother's house help them find <laughs> and put money down for a deposit? So we are Notice how I say that, right? Yeah. Now, let me be clear. Do you have, uh, is this program? So that down payment assistance program. So is we this... are in the process, as a matter of fact, we're hoping to get refunded um, because it was very successful. So we've had this program for well over five years. But the money runs out, and then we have to okay. look for more funding. So we are in the process of getting it. We're, we're hoping that we can get it funded because we have a success record. We have the data to show our program uh, works. Sucky, sucky. So we're, we're working on that, and I'm hoping we were hoping in this first quarter to get good news about um, more funding so that we can continue our program. Because, again, the proof is that most of the people we help, because we don't just give, like, we also give them classes, make sure they understand about budgeting and insurance and the things that are needed. So we also offer those classes. And so it was quite successful, and we're trying to get additional funding, hopefully, in this, in this first quarter. So by maybe the end of next month, we'll hear some good news about continuing. So, Dory, please, oh, please, as as James <laughs> you know Brown what? says, please, 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 if you if you get that program refunded. <laughs> you were so silly. I have. We'll make sure you get it, but we will. Well, I, you know, we I have no. a, I, listen, you're Kathy, you love my dog. You're talking about. <laughs> We'll be Listen, I know we'll Kathy loves my daughter and they like in sync and partnership. <laughs> she doesn't watch so, my podcast. She she does well, not watch thing, my podcast. So I can <laughs> talk about her. So so Dory, I have a candidate and you, you know, know and, and next I next question. <laughs> no, seriously. You know, this is about Listen and listen, listen. I got a candidate. So I'm gonna say I, I got a candidate for you, okay? I, and, and we will be ready. We will be ready. Just give us a, to about another month, we can get that refunded and we're ready to go. That's funny. You know, thank you. Sense. So Dory, a quick interruption question. Um, and this is not to diminish Black Lives Matter, but it exploded overnight. It um, the 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 George Floyd, the murders, the Breonna Taylors. Um, we knew that systemic racism was happening, and we knew it was going on. But again, with social media and being able to videotape and 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 show things virtually as they're happening is changing our world and how we respond. So Black Lives Matter interrupted our lives overnight how has that 
impacted? I know it has. What has been the NAACP's response and partnership to that? Now, I ask you that question because, you know, this young group of Black Lives Matter folks, they were very um, intentional about feeling that the way that the civil rights movement, the way that black organizers, the way that we organized before was not the way they want to organize today. They rejected the voices of our legends um, who wanted to come out and speak with them. And they were like, no, we don't want your support because that's not the initiative that we want to lead. And when I took a look at the movie the other night on Marian Anderson, the group of young people that were coming behind and supporting Martin Luther King felt that the NAACP was old and stagnant and said, we don't care about the history, the past. We want to do things differently. And I remember in the movie, they challenged her. They challenged it, that era. They challenged all entertainers and said, we don't want you to perform in places that are segregated. Some people said, yes, we support you. And others said, no. And Miriam Anderson was one that initially said, no, I will not do it because I need to put food on the table. And then when she showed up to the concert, it was empty seats. And I remember seeing that and then she changed her tune. So people feel that the NAACP is not aligned with Black Lives Matter. I know this young group is probably saying, you're old, you're historic, we want to do things differently. How have you connected and responded to that mission? So having a group come together and reject and not wanting the NAACP to be at the table or to be the lead is nothing new. That's part of the history. And we still stand strong and support them. I support Black Lives Matter. I show up at their events. I let them know we're, we, we have the same mission. We have the same end goal. And you don't need just one organization to get to that goal. So we are going to work it our way. You can work it your way. You can support us when you want to. And sometimes they do. And we'll support what you do. And so I don't think it needs to be one or the other. I think that everyone that is doing this work that wants to have our lives to matter, have people to see us, to value us is important. And so I don't feel like it's one or the other. And, okay. you know, I have had conversations with them. I've been on panels with them. I have a lot of respect for them. And I think they have respect for me as a leader. They may not like the structure of our organization, and that's fine. Because we're going to move forward. We're still here. We're still going to do this work. And I support what they do. So I don't think it needs to be one or the other. And I definitely support um, Black Lives Matter and their mission and, and I don't agree with everything, and when I don't, I let them know that, and I respectfully let them know that. But for um, you know, overall, what they want, I think we want the same. And have Thank you, you ever had to? I'm glad you said that because have you ever had to, as the president, had to address an issue um, in a manner that needed to be addressed that way for NAACP, but didn't necessarily agree with your own personal views? So there's times when, um, as the NAACP, there's times like we really 
if we want to do a march or a rally, or if it's something that really is important to us, we have to get the permission from the national office. And there are times when, like through COVID-19, I understood, and Black Lives Matter may have had other restrictions, but we could not organize because of COVID-19. We are advocating to keep our community safe. We're advocating that people stay home, wear your mask. And then you have, you know, we understood why people were in the streets. And we personally, I was there at almost every March, but I had to be there as Dory. I could not be there oh. to organize for the NAACP because we really had to, we could not, that would be like speaking out of, you know, both sides of our mouths. And we had to say, listen, we support what you're doing. We're doing it through legislation. You know, we were doing it through um, law. We were going to court. We were having, uh, you know, major um, panel discussions and series and different things. But the NAACP did have restrictions that the Black Lives Matter did not because we were under mandate that if we're advocating for people to be safe and wear masks and not to do that, then we can't tell people to go out in the streets and do that. So, so, so individually, we can do what we wanted. We just could not do it as an organization. Um, and so there's times when, like, I feel strongly like we need to be out there. And I, so I just made a choice for myself. I'm going to be out there. The NAACP mm -hmm. can't be out there. That's fine. Because we don't have to be the old. We have been in the past. But it's good to see other people organizing a march and a rally. It does not have to be the NAACP. It doesn't have to be one group. But I support what they were marching for. I support that we needed an outlet around that time, which is why I got out there with the young people. And I marched, you know, in general, with people who cared enough. But I couldn't do it as an NAACP. Mm -hmm. And and Kathy, that probably that pretty much goes in line with well, you too, Dory, with our sorority, um, that we're we have restrictions that we're not allowed to meet and have activities in person, that we have mm -hmm. to be virtual. We have been asked to support and to do the in different events, and we've had to say no to them because we can't gather collectively as a sorority. But as individually, just don't wear your colors. As an individual, you can go out there, and that's where you can be. And I'm sure that's where, and I hope people really listen to this podcast. We're going to make sure we publicize it because when I was telling people that we were having you on today, they were like, great, ask her where have they been with George Floyd? Where's the NAACP with this? And where are they with that? And I'm like, are you a member? Yeah, one, <laughs> which is a great question. But two, we are making statements. We are like, and if they look at the national um, office, which I think through COVID-19, through the series, through Zoom and all this new stuff that we've been doing for this past year, we were addressing issues. Our national president had the experts. We, we were in these cities at these courtrooms. So we do it through the through the courtrooms and, and, and through legislation and through series and having, you know, hard conversations. And he has been on every platform that there is out there. So if they look for the NAACP, they'll find us. They just can't find us doing the day-to-day -day coming out in the streets because that's just a mandate that we were not able to do. But we were there. We were still doing the work. Okay, Thank you. That's so you important for folks to hear. But I have one last. Yeah. I have one last. Oh, you question. Want, you have one last question. Oh, oh. I have a she, question. she always does this, Dory. 
I do. Uh, but then you can yes, ask ma'am. the same question, Dory. So I want to ask you a question. This, so along the same lines of what I just asked, Dory, has there ever been a time where maybe politically or personally you you felt like addressing an issue one way, but then you had to remember the REV in front of your name, that you are Reverend Odell. So did you have to address it differently <laughs> um, <laughs> other than Odell? Did you... <laughs> Or a time that you thought maybe your children thought you shouldn't have addressed an issue that you did address it. Either way, has there ever been a time like that? Uh, there's been a lot of times like that. Um, okay. So, for instance, so for instance, I'll just go back and say with the slice, um, wanting to stop the violence with slice. My, I was angry, and as I talk about it, that I had mental I had I I call them the cousins I had PTSD and then all the cousins showed up you know depression anxiety and everybody else was living in my body and taking over so I had a high sense of anxiety and anger and just always wanting to fight and trying to deal with my pain and what I wanted to do was to stop the violence at Slice Pizza Bar because as I mentioned in the presentation, Kathy, if you heard that for five years, every Friday night, a black man was shot five years in this neighborhood. And it was numb. And I'll, and I'll take ownership for that. I was numb to that until it happened to me. And the police told us that they had over 100 phone calls a month, 911 calls from that area every month. But it kept happening over and over and over and after my son after that traumatic interruption I wanted to stop the violence and my daughter said she didn't support me because she had friends who would go to slice pizza bar on Sunday and would you know eat their pizza and would watch television and sports and stuff on Sunday had a different environment than it did Friday night and she didn't support me. She felt that I was using the reverend and my community connections to shut the place down. And she didn't want to be associated with it. So she's like, you don't have my support. And I did not have her support. And But I went forward with it anyway. And even now, doing interruptions, I don't have her support. She's like, I don't know why you just don't sit down, be quiet, and just heal. You know, just just relax. And I can't. So I don't have my daughter's support. And I use the reverend before my name. I use my story, my voice, my connections that I have and to continue to make change. But it's not always welcome. As you said, Dory, it's it's not welcome. And I don't have my daughter's support. And I tell her, you know, you like your daddy. You just want me to sit around <laughs> and and be here for you. But that's not going to happen. I, I, I'm going to do something different. <laughs> I, I never thought about that, though, for her to, to have to deal with her friends and the feedback of that. Right. I never I, I really never thought about that. Dory, has that happened with you yeah. in the place of you being the president of the chapter and then having to deal with a political issue? Have your have your children ever said to you, uh, Ma, do you really have to fight everything or, you know, I don't think you should do it this way. Have they ever disagreed at all with you? They haven't. Oh, they have. 
they don't normally disagree with me, um, but there are times when I'm doing things and they're like, okay, enough already, you know, a lot, you know, but you know, it's just because it's, it's never an off time, it's always on and it's just, I'm done with one thing, here comes something else. So, so they disagree more because it's just very, it takes all my time and my energy, okay. but not because of the actual topic or the issue that I'm addressing. Okay. And what about you, Kathy? You, I mean, you have the same, same I'm thought both your question, though your curveball question at you, <laughs> you know, what, what are the things that you've done that your husband and your daughter say, really? Because I know when church was in session, you, I saw you there all the time. You was just busy during the Ma'afa season over and yeah. over. Mm -hmm. And then Dory, we go to church one day, right? And I don't even, I forget that it's, you know, health Sunday or go red something. And we get to wear our gym outfits. We go to church. I look up in the pulpit. There goes Kathy in her pink and green, you know, jumpsuit. <laughs> She's doing her thing. And I'm like, Go, go sit with your family. <laughs> so do they ever say to you, Kathy, come on, mom, really? Why can't you just wear that fur coat and just sit with us and just look cute and be nice and we'll pick you up in the car? <laughs> well, I will say, yes, I get that a lot from my husband. Not so much Teal because she loves to be there with me. So anytime I'm out, she wants to be out as well. So she And she definitely loves being involved in church. But there are times where my husband will say, is everything your responsibility? Do you have to take on everything? And, you know, I find myself saying yes more than I do no, because as, okay. as you both said, we have a we have a role to play. I think that uh, we were given these stories to share and given these positions so that we can make a difference. And then um, I will be ready to pass on the torch one day, I hope. Um, to someone else. But until then, until I feel comfortable and and letting that torch go, I think that there's still things in my life that I, I need to do. And so hopefully he, I think, I know he understands that. Is it always easy to take? No, but I know he understands it. Oh, Dory, um, with Odell and I, it, it's funny because- You know, and that's the us. challenging part. And I have to, Hold on, Kathy. Kathy, yeah. I got one more thing for you. Um, as we're talking about this, the um, the part that I have to respect with my daughter is that as I do interruptions, to me, I'm able, it's no longer, not, my son's murder was the initiator. Now it's become bigger. It becomes mental health and us not talking about it and we needing the help that we need to get as people of color. So it has now have a different look. But for her, as she said to me, it's still a reminder that my brother is not here and it's painful for her yeah. to see it. So one of the discussions that we had was, she says, I think it will be best if I don't always see you doing interruptions in the house. If I don't always see you, then it's not a constant reminder for me. Because um, I don't watch a podcast and I'm not going to see the production. But living with me and watching me do this in my office because of COVID and where we are, it's a constant reminder that her brother was murdered. So that is why we are initiating a move out party. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I got you. I got you, you know what? 
Uh, I'm telling. <laughs> I'm going to call her after this. After she doesn't this watch these podcasts. <laughs> I'm going to call her anyway. Um, so our last guest, uh, we had Senator Winfield on, and we shared with him that now, especially now, since um, Vice President Kamala Harris got into office, everyone wants to jump into the political arena. And we know that people have their own spiritual gifts that maybe not everyone is meant to jump into the political arena, but in what other ways do you encourage people to get involved in their community other than running for a Senator? I think that people can get involved in many ways. Um, They can get involved. They can be on commissions and on boards because you always need support around that. They can get involved with the NAACP. They can get involved with the Urban League. There's so many groups and organizations that are doing good work and really doing the work to advance our community. So I think there's lots of ways that people can use um, their energy, their support, their financial support, because all of the organizations need, you know, membership, um, need support around finances and, and fundraising. So there's lots of ways um, that people can get involved. I also encourage people who choose to to get involved with your church. Use that as an outlet because the church is not four walls. It's really going outside into the community. So there's lots of ways that people can get involved. I do encourage people to run for office. I do think that more people should try. You know, a lot of people complain, but I think we do need more people to run. And it's not for everyone. And it's a lot of work. And it's hard work. And it's not a lot of off time with that either. So maybe not at a, you know, a senator or a representative or mayor, but there's other positions that people can run for really um, bring about change, change we want to see, because sometimes we have people in, in office and we try to hold accountable, but they don't do the things that support our community. So mm-hmm. if they keep doing that, we need to vote them out, but we got to have other people that are willing to step up that will serve. So I do think that's important. But again, it's not for everyone. But there's ways that people can get. That's true. That's true. Is there anything from your upbringing uh, that you learned that helped you be the success that you are today? I don't know anything from my upbringing. I do think that it was important that I always had support. I always had people cheering me on showing love no matter what the situation was. Um, So I think that um, I knew no matter what I did, my family was always gonna still love me. Um, So that was important, I think, growing up. Um, But I I, I really think that people we pour into, you know, it doesn't have to be a family member, but I try to pour into young people anywhere I am, I think it's important. And you never know, people come back and say, I remember when you did this or said that or encouraged me through this. And, you know, even for my children, I exposed them to a lot of things. And my daughter was open to it and my son was not. But now that he's a grown man, he looks back and he said, Mom, you know what? I get it now. I appreciate what you did. It was not easy. He pushed back on everything I tried with him, where my daughter would always be down for things. So, um, you know, I think that I still poured into him. And it just touches my heart when now he'll say to me, now I get it. I appreciate it, you know, but it took him to be 30 to get it, but he gets it. 
Okay. All right. So Dory, what Odell and I try to do is expose that a life interruption can sometimes be traumatic or just an interruption of our lives that can be temporary or permanently affect our perspective on life. We'll continue to discuss the impact of trauma and how a moment in time can alter your planned journey. But we also discuss that there's a time where we need to move towards healing. Our podcasts are for everyone who needs to hear the message. Today's podcast was the last of our Black History celebration. And what a, what better way than to have you as our guest. You are a woman, the first African-American woman to be the president of the, of the New Haven chapter of the NAACP. And we could not be more proud to have you on our show. Uh, but what we hope is that when people hear your story, that they feel a new sense of energy and that it encourages them to get involved in the community. We just wanna make sure that uh, we thank you for all that you do and that you know that we're here continually supporting you and the NAACP and praying for all the efforts that you do in the community. We also want to thank our, our listeners for coming on and not to forget, please make sure that they subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this message with everyone that you know because someone you know may need to hear it. So again, Dory, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dory. Thank you, ladies, for having me. And again, thank you for this space. I think what you're doing is wonderful. I wish you well as you move forward with your podcast. Thank you. Thank you.